0: You're listening to the Small Town Monsters Broadcasting Network. You can find out more about this and other network shows, as well as Small Town Monsters films, books, our upcoming Kickstarter campaign, and much more at smalltownmonsters.com. Good evening, folks. Welcome back to STM Live. Welcome back to another live after show for Bigfoot Beyond the Trail. We've got a great show lined up tonight with Mr. Alexander Petakov himself. I know that's why you're all here. But a couple announcements at the top of the hour... We are rolling out announcements pertinent to the Kickstarter uh, every other day right now. It seems like this past week we shared the poster for On the Trail of Bigfoot, The Ancients, featuring Seth Breedlove, Russ Jones, and Matt Pruitt, um, with art by Chelsea Lowe. And you can get your name in the credits of The Ancients, along with the rest of the films we have coming out next year, or this year now, it's January, uh, by backing the Kickstarter on February 1st. One of the things we announced this week on top of that is that you can add on your Monster festival two tickets as an add-on when you back the Kickstarter kind of a one-stop shop type situation. So that's pretty cool. We will be very excited to see you all at monster fest on six 29 of this year. And on February 1st, when the Kickstarter launches we'll be running our live stream launch party. This week uh, we revealed that our friend Lisa Thorpe had made these super cool custom stainless steel tumblers. They are not available for sale anywhere. They are one of a kind Specimens and they will be given away as trivia prizes during that live stream. So come hang out with us at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on February 1st. We have a new episode of The Lore You Know available on your favorite podcasting platform featuring Heidi Worley. Um, Great episode, amazing interview if you haven't checked it out yet. So do not miss that. And if you need more Small Town Monsters podcasts in your life, every episode of this show that you are watching right now is available on your favorite podcasting platform as well. So Again, welcome everybody to Small Town Monsters Live. Welcome to our new squad members who I've got to make sure we shout out at the top of the hour. Alex Willis and Russell, thank you for joining the squad and supporting everything that we do. And I do have a comment I'm going to drop right now from Kirk Schmidt. Should be interesting. I agree with you, Kirk. So without further ado, let's welcome up the man of the hour, the guy whose beard I am still very intimidated by. Mr <laughs> That was bad. I'm sorry. Mr. Alex Petticoff. I'll hide it. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. I was no, watching yeah. the episode today and that came to me and I was like, well, I'm gonna use that. It's a bad idea, <laughs> but I'm gonna use it.
1: Hey, we have the matching background colors. That was not coordinated by the way oh, No,
0: it wasn't. I
1: yeah. sw- you have to notice I switch the color every every show I do, I switch the color just because I don't know, it'd be different, but that was
0: unplanned this time. Yeah, so obviously great, it was great minds think alike. <laughs> I did some tweaking back here recently, so I've got my my Gene St. Jean Alaskan Bigfoot in the background. Oh, well, uh, see, I have
1: my uh, – you can't really see it, but it's right there. It's one of the um, Creature Replica, which is also a Gene Jean St. Gene Jean, uh, Bigfoot model. So, you know, basically same type of design, yeah. awesome, like, figures and stuff. So we love that kind of stuff.
0: Uh, yeah, unplanned, folks. So we're off to a great start already. So. This works. <laughs> <laughs> So we're talking Kentucky today, um, and I'm excited for this because I was actually around you while you were filming for this episode. I I wasn't there. I didn't help in any way, shape, or form, um, but I was around. (laughs) I I saw you before and after this footage was shot, so um, it was really exciting to see this come together and go out into the world. But can we talk a little bit about this area of Kentucky, kind of set the stage before we go into... The specifics
1: as i rip my headphones out <laughs> no <laughs> I, I'm, i'll pass no uh yeah th- yeah you're right uh, that was i think was this the first time we were together on an stm shoot was yeah. that is that the case i don't remember yeah. I, I feel like there's so many of them they kind of just blend together so it's kind of hard <laughs> it's hard to keep track of everything but yeah time. so this was yeah, this was back in november point. This is your second stm like crew shoot right Okay. Yeah. So that makes sense. There will be more of those, obviously. But um, yeah, no, this was in Kentucky. So the long story short is that uh, I keep saying last year, but this, I still think 2022 was last year, although it's not apparently anymore. Like this was,
0: yeah. <laughs> it's like it was a couple months ago. It's
1: weird. So in late 2022, uh, I was at CryptidCon, which I don't know if you were at that CryptidCon or not. What year the, was it? 2022 so it would have e- been a, no i was you were at, at the one before i think that's when i first met you in person yeah yeah so i met the crypticon that uh we were all at the stm crew in 2022 and i went out to a location recommended to me i i, I stayed a few extra days in kentucky and i went out to this place in central kentucky that was recommended to me by Researcher named Jeff Waldridge, who's one of the organizers of the uh, CryptidCon event, and he's done a lot of paranormal stuff, Bigfoot stuff in Kentucky. So he told me, Hey, go check out this area. You know, I've done some stuff out there. Monster Quest filmed an episode out there like 2007 or something like that. And there's a history of reports. And I'm like, Cool, you know, let's do it. That'll sound like a fun way to just do a couple of days. And I went out there and I went out alone. He actually couldn't make it out there to come with me. So I, I basically had to go alone um and i'm going out there at night but i guess jeff goes alone to this area as well and uh he just has a red headlamp and that's how he kind of goes out there and there's a history of reports in that area so i went out there and i did what i do and i kind of went out alone i heard what sounded like a wood knock and then i recorded this thing on the thermal that i couldn't really identify i didn't know what it was uh it was late november and it was like 20 degrees outside it was really cold so i don't know what kind of creature it was and uh yeah that was featured in a video that I did early last year so early 2023 called the Kentucky Sasquatch search I think so if you watch the latest video you can see the link for that in the description or if you scroll back to 2023 you can find that so this video that we're talking about today was a follow up to that video from last year like a direct follow up I couldn't make it out there. I don't live near Kentucky. So, obviously, we went down to do this shoot in the LBL. And that's when I was hanging out with you and the rest of the crew. And then I stayed an extra few days and I went out and met up with Charlie Raymond, who is a Kentucky Bigfoot researcher. And we did the recreation. And that's basically what that video is about. I just didn't have the chance to make it down there sooner than that. So, it was almost like a year between when I filmed the original video and then filmed the follow up. So, again, it was just a follow up where. We went out and I just wanted to see, hey, let's do a comparison, let's do our due diligence and just see what happens and see if we can pull any info out of that.
0: Yeah. I thought it was really cool because you got back there pretty quickly, like a year, given that it's not somewhere that you live near, I think is right. pretty good. Yeah. I remember at you know, at the end of the days we were on that shoot, we would all be kind of winding down for the evening, getting ready to to turn it in for the night, and you were strapping on that gear pack ready to go back out.
1: <laughs> and yeah, then it's... none of us
0: saw you come back, but you were in the woods like that entire week. Dig it. In yeah,
1: we did. We did a lot of filming there in the LBL, which will be part of a new and exciting venture that I can't talk about yet. <laughs> we'll say that. Uh, but yes, this this episode is kind of filmed during that same period. So that was really cool. But uh, yeah, like you said, just being able to go a year after was awesome. Uh, it was You know, I got to explore the area a little more because you you see a place. And the thing is, I didn't know what that thermal footage was. I tried to do my rudimentary analysis that I could last year with what I had available. Some deer comparison, but it's using Google Earth. It's it's inaccurate. Some parts I was somewhat accurate, but it was kind of tough. So I tried my best, but then obviously being able to go out there on site and have somebody physically in this location do almost, you know, Complete recreation, oh, I'm, I'm in the same place I would have been standing, essentially, give or take a few feet, looking at the same area. There was a little more leaf cover, but I still think we were kind of able to figure some stuff out. And I think the bottom line is I still don't know what it was. I am leaning more towards maybe it was a bear, maybe it was a deer, or two, I don't know. I, I, there's so many unknown variables there, but I do think even with you know something like a Pulsar thermal camera, just because it's an advanced piece of equipment doesn't mean it's still... It still is. It wasn't able to identify readily what this thing was. So mm-hmm. there are shortcomings with the technology. I think people put too much faith in some of the tech just because it's high grade or whatever. It, it, you got to remember, it's you know, it's only it can only be useful up to a certain amount. So sure, um, that's kind of how that. It's uh, kind of how that all played out. If
0: that makes sense. Can you explain a little more about how thermal? technology works, at least in this context, because I actually got to play around with one of these scopes for the first time when we were hanging out in the LBL, and it was super cool. But I was immediately like, whoa, this is not what I expected at all. So can you explain a little bit how that works and what some of the limitations are?
1: Yeah, thermal imaging, from what I know, and I only really have experience using some of it, I've used I've used FLIR units before, which are FLIR, forward-looking infrared. There's a technology basically developed to, uh, it's supposed to look at body heat. So we as human beings, animals, they produce body heat. So what that means is if you're looking at a a cold environment and you see, let's say, a a deer at 100 yards out in a field, that deer is going to pop on this thermal imager. And thermal imagers have come a long way. Uh, The one I used in this video was a Pulsar Hellion 2. The one I was letting you play around with was that one plus a... AGM-TM-160, I think, which is kind of a um, more basic kind of model. Uh, Both are monoculars, which means it's just one eye. And I think that's also something I should mention is a lot of times in the field when I'm using this stuff, because it is a monocular, it's on one eye, it's disorienting. And And the screen is about this big. You know, when you're looking through it, it's a tiny little cube that your eyes up against and you have one eye closed so that distorts your senses. It's pitch black and you're seeing an object or an animal. Unless you really can tell what it is, it's kind of hard to actually see what it is. I mean, there's been times where I'm looking at a porcupine or a bear or a deer and I'm thinking, what is this thing? Uh, And I've actually mistaken a porcupine for a bear before just because distance, disorientation, you put it on a big screen and immediately you can kind of tell what it is. But again, at night, your senses, you're in the woods and you're looking at a tiny little screen. Uh, It's kind of confusing. But yeah, so basically it's looking at body heat. That's kind of the way I understand. And if anybody's like a thermal expert, please feel free to correct me. But a lot of this stuff has obviously military and police implications looking for, uh, you know, people at borders, uh, fugitives, search and rescue people Mm -hmm. use this stuff. So if they're looking for lost people in the woods, now things are moving towards thermal drones, of course, before it would have been Thermal systems mounted to say helicopters or airplanes, that was something that was used. Handheld units, people use it for hunting a lot. So thermal scopes, hog hunting, lots of stuff like that. Um, hunting that's legal at night, of course, most places, it isn't depends on, of course, like you're doing hog hunting or something down south. Uh, so there's a lot of applications for thermal technology, even looking at pipelines leaks, where hot air leaks out, you can hmm. see it with that kind of stuff. So there's a lot of implications, obviously, been used for a long time in the Bigfoot field to try and substantiate something, because unlike an infrared camera, or not an infrared camera, like a night vision camera, it's a different type of technology. You're not really giving off infrared with a thermal camera. That's why I like them so much. I'm a huge proponent of thermal cameras and uh, thermal drones and that sort of stuff, Um, especially as that technology gets better. So that's kind of the basics. I don't know if I I got too technical or not. If I did, I can clarify anything. But... uh, you know, I guess I'm so used to using them, I don't really think about that sort of basic stuff, but you do got you do kind of got to take a step back every
0: once in a while. No, I thought that was a very succinct explanation, so thank you for that. Um, we do have some comments. We've got a lot.
1: Oh, looks like we lost Aaron. Uh, I don't think I can play the uh, comments here. I don't think I can show the questions here without Aaron on screen. There we go. He's back.
0: I, I literally don't know what happened. One minute I was talking, one <laughs> minute I was uh, Greenburg. So got my,
1: booted somehow.
0: My apologies. It wasn't me.
1: I don't have any control over.
0: How no, the this is all goes. me. Anything that goes wrong here is a hundred percent my fault. So, well, that was awful. Let's hope that doesn't happen again. Um, but no, what I was going to say, we have some great comments in the chat tonight. Uh, as always, folks, any questions or comments you have for Alex, please go ahead and throw them out there. We will do our best to get to all of them and I will do my best to remain in the room for the duration of this conversation. Um, Iron Dagger says Alex and STM covered Alaska so well. I definitely agree with that. And we do have a follow-up question from squad member, Kimberly Cruz. Alex, are you doing more in Alaska anytime soon? The answer is yes. I don't know if it's, it's not necessarily going to translate to videos though, but
1: I, I was asked to be a, Speaker slash participant on something called the Alaska Bigfoot Cruise, which will be going in September of this year from Seattle, Washington to the Alaskan Panhandle, like the coast. Myself, Dr. Jeff Meldrum, uh, Dr. Robert Alley, and RPG of Finding Bigfoot, a couple other people, uh, and it's going to be a fun time. It's going to be basically like one of these touristy cruises. I've never done one of those things before. So I've never done like a tourist type cruise, and this is definitely a little more, I'd say, luxurious than my normal type of traveling and exploring. But I, I guess I will be going back to Alaska. Uh, to Alaska is a short answer, but I don't know if that'll mean videos. I mean, it would be like a travel blog if you want to see me eating at a buffet on a cruise or something. I don't, <laughs> I don't think people really want to see that.
0: <laughs> that may be the only way I'm. That is the only way I'm ever going to get my wife to go on. Bigfoot expedition. Thank you for telling me Yeah, it's going to be a little bit
1: easier of a trip.
0: So yeah, (laughs) yes and no. Maybe there'll be more Alaska in the future. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. (laughs) Uh, Great comment from Riverwater Outdoors. Very relevant to our discussion tonight. As a Kentucky boy, I had Bigfoot come to people I know and seen videos. So some some correlating anecdotal evidence there for you. A lot lot of stories out of Kentucky. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Seems to be. Yeah. Uh, let's see chief queef good to see you chief do you guys ever look into the michigan mountain mouse mouse knuckle i haven't heard of that one no i don't i have no idea well, I don't know if
1: that's satirical or not but
0: i don't it may be a joke that i didn't get There's uh no mountains in michigan i am not very smart so uh good to see you chief always good to have you in the chat <laughs> The Pagan Socialist asks, uh, how do you view the Bridgewater Triangle?
1: Uh, the Bridgewater Triangle is an interesting place. It's kind of this uh, catch-all for anything you're into. If you like Bigfoot, if you like aliens, if you like cult murder activity, mob hits, uh, true crime, anything weird paranormal locations. It's, I kind of view it as an urban legend sort of area that, uh, you know, maybe there was some original stuff that happened there, but it's kind of taken on a life of its own. It's one of these very famous triangle areas Course it was coined by Lauren Coleman, who's uh, you know, kind of very well known in the cryptozoology and paranormal world. So it's a cool area. I go I still go back there once or twice a year. I mean I live a few hours from the Bridgewater Triangle. But I think now it's sort of it's just its own entity. It's kind of again, it's in the realm of a lot of its urban legend and myth, but there was some really I mean when I did we did a video out there, Bigfoot in the Bridgewater Triangle a couple years ago and I mean, the conclusion was that humans are the worst monsters of anything reported in there. You know, some of the murders. We interviewed f- a former Freetown uh, police detective who had some heinous stories of stuff they had found out there in the Freetown forest, which is considered to be the most haunted woods in America. I mean, there were just the murders and the stuff he was he saw was despicable. I mean, it was it was that interview was very disturbing. But yeah, so it's a crazy area. I, I'd love to look into it more, and maybe I will. Maybe. Maybe I have some stuff coming out about that sort of stuff. I guess we'll have to see. Yeah. It's
0: possible that there are more (laughs) announcements coming up about things. I don't know. Well, we shall see. We shall see. (laughs) The the future is an open book. (laughs) A couple of comments kind of relevant, excuse me, to the area we've been talking about. Uh, Kirk Schmidt says the LBL has some crazy history. You guys should look it up. So, that's a that's a mm. good comment, you know.
1: There may be uh, some stuff on that too. You never
0: know. Yeah, you never know. <laughs> and uh, kind of on the same line, Kirk is Kirk is bringing it tonight. Uh, you, you, do you guys ever communicate with Hellbent Holler? Uh, oh, man. yeah. I yeah, love the spelling
1: right. of that. I got to send that to Joe and be like, <laughs> you guys are now the hell hauler. Like they're hauling I mean, they stuff.
0: Can, they could yeah, always get into the hauling business. If, you know, yeah. If you like but, Joe and yeah. Jesse
1: will be not only featured in multiple upcoming videos and films uh, as your book as well. So,
0: Say there's a book coming that they uh, may have contributed to, and they are also interviewed in another book um, called Ooh. the Texas Dogman Triangle. That's, That's right, yeah. as well. Right, right. So, uh, short answer is, yeah, Jesse and Joe are awesome. They're uh, definitely friends of STM. So, yeah, I talked to them quite a
1: bit. I talked to Joe a lot just because uh, you know they hit the field a lot, and we've actually over the years have traded a lot of equipment ideas because it does not. I mean, I don't want to say this without sounding kind of cheesy, but there's not a lot of people who. Spend really a lot of time out in the woods and try out their gear and see what works and doesn't and have things break. And so there, you know, there's a few, few people I talked to about that kind of stuff that really put their stuff to the test, not just buy it once and it sits around. So we've traded ideas in the past about, hey, this tripod works pretty well in the woods, or you know, my my chest pack that I wear that was basically thanks to them after doing some research and that thing has become sort of one of my main pieces of gear out in the woods because it's so convenient and it's just that's the kind of stuff you learn as when you just spend a lot of time out in the woods exploring and adventuring, you kind of see what works and what doesn't, and then you bounce ideas off each other. And I've certainly
0: uh, done that with Joe in the past. Yeah. Oh, I always I like to give too. them a, yeah, yeah. I try to, I was spoke with him this weekend, actually. I always like to give them a shout out. So thank you, Kirk. Great question. A uh, couple of questions about the thermal image. and uh, We'll, we'll kind of put these, up here at the same time just because i think your answer will probably answer both uh michael tovar our friend from uh austin texas representing one of my one of my hometowns uh alex what do you think the object in the thermal also hear of any sightings a day before or after when you were there and then mpl 2288 kind of in the same vein by the shape of that image it might be two figures close together Hogs. So I thought those questions really, really complement each other. Thank you, guys.
1: Sure. I'll. I think I'll answer the second one first about the two shapes. Maybe it could have been two deer standing together. They stood together apparently for a long time and didn't separate at all. If that's the case, I don't. know I'm kind of leaning towards maybe it was one object. I don't think it was hogs though. As far as I know, there aren't very many hogs in that part of Kentucky. Um, So I, I don't. I think that was the case and to the for the first question i don't know what it was i think i do lean toward and i think i said this in the video i lean more towards it being something of four legs and i didn't really find out if there were bear in the area at the time but apparently they're very rare in that area but charlie said there had been bigfoot sightings on all fours and i'm not going to implic i'm not going to imply that that's what it was i think that's too convenient of an answer um but especially in that part of kentucky which is anderson county which is not really a place you'd expect for like a big population of any kind of creature to be there's a surprising amount of deer out there i mean every time i was out there i ran into deer both 2022 and then back in November when I was out there so um, I don't know I mean I heard the wood knock before is that conclusive of anything not really is the footage conclusive no I mean I, I if i had stayed out there and seen what it was doing maybe but it's tough to stay out in 20 degree weather when you're out alone in the woods and I have no idea what you're looking at. So I I can't really say, but I, again, I'm not really leaning towards maybe Bigfoot. I don't lean towards that really.
0: You provide a, you provide a really interesting contrast pretty early in this episode where you overlay, you know, thermal footage of a deer with what you saw and you do explain the difference in the ranges and stuff, but whatever you caught does appear to be giving off a lot of heat based on my, based on my rudimentary understanding of how this stuff works and, one evening where I played with one for an hour. So,
1: right. That's kind of why I was leaning even maybe towards bear. I mean, it was a little late in the season. It was pretty cold. I'd imagine by that time bears would be bedded down, but I don't know what they do in that part of Kentucky. Um, I only know from up here or I live much further north. I mean, we even had one on, it was a little warm, but we had one right around Christmas uh, near my house. I had on a trail camera. So Hmm. they were still out for whatever that's worth. Thanks for the questions guys.
0: Yeah. Thank you guys. Sorry. I didn't mean to make you answer two questions at once. No, no. I think (laughs) that's a good way of doing it. If I were writing a book book about this conversation, I would have stacked those together. So Um, Vicky, one of our squad members, thank you. Vicky asks, and uh, this may be something that's still a secret, but where is your next film destination?
1: Yeah. I'm not going to say specifically, but it's somewhere down South. That's, so, that's as as obscure as it can be, um, you know. I've got some interesting stuff, possible follow up
0: to previous stuff as well. So, yeah,
1: we'll, awesome. we'll see.
0: Stay tuned. Stay tuned, Vicky. <laughs> Here's a fun question, and this is actually a good idea. This might be a new business venture for us. Uh, Angel Raven four 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 asks, "I could listen to ASMR wood knock tape for relaxation purposes. <laughs> Are you going to sell those?" I don't know
1: if I'd, i you could just have one i mean you could take a clip and feel free i you know i'd feel weird charging or something like that unless it was really well produced like a, you ever seen those foley people that do film work uh where they're you know a lot of times in movies they want to emphasize a certain sound effect look them up there's some people on youtube who do like refolding for films it's so funny to watch they'll they'll be playing the film and so they've got a whole bunch of either instruments or sounds. So if somebody is walking up the stairs, you know, they'll have, they'll be banging a piece of wood and then they'll, they'll scratch something with a fork to make it sound like someone's using a key, you know, trying to open a door. That'd be cool. Maybe Woodknock try to dub over some wood.
0: That would sound pretty interesting. I've been playing a lot of those nature relaxation videos for my son lately because it's a good alternative to most children's programming. Yeah. Um, And it could work. It could work. That's cool. Yeah. It's it's great
1: stuff. I mean, just go sit out in the woods for half an hour and it's, you know, a nice relaxing feeling. So that's why people like that kind of relaxation, nature stuff.
0: Yeah. Well, you may have just uh, revolutionized the entire cryptozoology niche angel Raven four, four, four. So stay tuned. Uh, Sawfits asks, where can I find the Bigfoot hats that y'all wear? Don't know. Bigfoot hats.
1: If you mean just like the adventure hats, um, and I've got just my, uh, my Stetson. You know, it's a Stetson. I actually had somebody email me about this. It was like asking where the cowboy hat was from. I can grab it here if you want. I'll be right back.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Got Visual it. medium is very important. I was going to try to make it through this whole show without mentioning Alex's hat, but. Um, here we go. How's that? <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah. So this is the. I've had the Stetson. Uh, and
1: Stetson is the best hat maker ever. His classic Americana kind of hats. I don't know why it looks crooked.
0: Um, is that better? I don't know what I'm doing here. Oh, I think hey, it, the, hey the everybody. Alex, Alex Petikoff is here. 26 yeah. minutes in. There he is. So. I've actually
1: had this hat. I got it in, uh, in Arizona in like 2018. And this particular hat was really crazy. It's lived through so many different adventures. I mean, this thing has been soaked in the swamps of the South. Humidity, it's been in Alaska, uh, the deserts everywhere and it still survived everything and i I, i'm pretty sure eli has had like three different hats he's had to go through it's also stetson's that have been ruined but for some reason mine is the uh the champ here it just seems to have hung on and um feels weird to wear it when i'm just sitting
0: inside at home but (laughs) well i mean the the people want to know so yeah well yeah
1: so the i guess yeah adventure hats i don't know if i'd call it a bigfoot hat because i was wearing these I still wear the you know when I do other stuff whenever I'm in like the Southwest or anywhere really um, I think the a brimmed hat provides a lot of protection from sun and elements. It's kept me dry in very many places. so yeah Indiana Jones comfort hat it kind of is that, yeah, but uh, I did I originally got it just because I was in Arizona and I was like, you know you gotta have
0: a cowboy hat right? so I and mean, that's a survival not? tool keeping the sun off your head and stuff. yeah, exactly it's got it's got some good functionality for sure. yeah, great question guys. I love those fun ones. Here is an interesting one. We always get a few of these. So there there are all these places that people want Alex to go. Um, And Michael Torres asks, uh, when are y'all going to come looking for Carolina squatches? They run in packs down here.
1: Interesting. (laughs) Um, I Soon. I mean, I kind of did a video in North Carolina in the Smokies, excuse me, a couple of years ago, backpacking down there in the uh, North Carolina section of the Smoky Mountains might be coming there soon that's uh a, it's, a, it's a big possibility this year I don't know what we shall see I, I hate being so cryptic about everything but <laughs> there is a lot of stuff in the works I will say that so
0: yeah you I gotta stoke just... the fire before you light it you know keep your pour eyes the... peeled yeah that's not true that's not how you make fire you gotta pour the the lighter fluid on the thing <laughs> That dissolved very quickly. Uh, Gil Favor asks, kind of along the same lines: any plans to investigate the Southern Ohio area, Salt Fork, Tar Hollow, etc.? Those seem to have some consistent, unusual activity. Um, not at the moment. I know have done some Ohio
1: stuff, obviously with Minerva and kind of that area. <laughs> That's more of Eastern Ohio, but um, I mean, yeah, there's only so so many places I can go. Obviously, I've got to prioritize things, so. Southern Ohio isn't really on the list. I know there's been a lot of activity in that area, kind of foothills of the Appalachians sort of thing, but um, nothing on the moment for Southern Ohio, at least, that I'm aware of.
0: Okay. I guess that could change. I don't know. Yeah, never, never know. Never know. Here's a fun one from Renee Chapman. Uh, What makes the four-toed Bigfoots more aggressive? I've heard stories of them attacking or even killing people like the one that scared everyone away from that small town in Alaska.
1: I don't know. I have no idea about four-toed Bigfoots versus five-toed. I I just assume if it's a four-toed print, it's probably the fifth digit either isn't registering or maybe that particular creature lost a fifth digit birth defect. I don't know. But um, I think a lot of people make assumptions about there being different types of Sasquatches and different behavioral adaptations when we really have no not much evidence about any of that kind of stuff mm-hmm. and you know that story with the small town in alaska uh, portlock that will actually be covered a little bit in an upcoming video i'm doing some conversation about that and kind of peeling back some of the myth and the urban legend surrounding that incident so uh hopefully that'll clear some things up but yeah i i don't i mean i don't i, I don't know we got about four toad versus five i think you know, if it's, if it's some kind of a ape-like creature or primate of some kind,
0: five probably makes a little bit more sense to me. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Great question, Renee. Thank you for that. Um, here's a question from me. Um, how does Finally, con- Aaron's getting the question. In. <laughs> Usually I don't have time. So, I know. Hey, let's go which for is, it. Which is great. I'd rather hear from the audience than me, but this is one that I'm really curious about. Um, how does Kentucky compare to other areas that seem to have a concentration of Sasquatch activity that you've looked into or even just read about without visiting? Yeah,
1: I don't know. I mean, I don't know much about Kentucky. I know that area I was in, Anderson County, uh, to me, I was actually kind of skeptical. I'm like, how could something possibly be in this area? There's not a lot of huge swaths of land. There are some woods and tree cover, but there's a long history of I don't know what's going on with that eastern kentucky to me eastern and southern kentucky would kind of seem to be the more logical place because that's there's mountains in eastern kentucky uh very rugged it's it connects into those parts of tennessee and even into west virginia and other areas so i mean that seems like great habitat right and you see where the bear populations are Um, so i guess compared to other areas there's not as much woods as I, i think that area kind of reminds me perhaps a little bit of areas like minerva in eastern ohio where you've got farmland but then you've got a lot of woods with a ton of wildlife ton of deer and ton of coyotes and even bears coming through very similar and then you have a lot of farms around that it'll be mm-hmm. kind of it's it's definitely different than say alaska or even up here in the northeast or even some of the swamps down south where you just have thousands upon thousands of acres of continuous wilderness this is not really like that i wouldn't call it a wilderness area but there still is a lot of animals in some of these areas so that's I do find that interesting. And with the history reports, that's also interesting. But can I say with certainty? Obviously, I can't, but I'm not from that area. I've only spent just a little bit of time there. So interesting. So, yeah. I guess my best answer.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, I would agree. It reminded me, in a lot of ways, it reminded me of some areas of Texas where you have really deep concentrations of woods and national parks and undeveloped land, but then you don't have to go too, too far to be back in civilization, depending on the direction you're going you know, right. but that's just, that's just what comes to mind for me. So, uh, interesting question from Mr. Dollar Store Gloves. Always good to see you, Mr. Dollar Store Gloves. Oh, I like
1: that name. Yeah.
0: Love it. Yeah. <laughs> have you ever thought of hiking a hydro line cut on a search since they have been mentioned as a Sasquatch trail? That's a good question.
1: I don't know if I've run into a lot of hydro line cuts. Is that like, uh, I mean, I've, we've come across gas pipeline cuts and power line cuts. I've heard stuff along there, but I don't know about specifically hydro lines. I've never really run into too many of those on in my search. Mostly been, like I said, gas line cuts, even in parts of eastern Ohio or uh, extensively in the northeast, power line cuts seem to have a lot of activity. Even this part of Kentucky, there's that sighting associated with uh, the power line cut. So, um, mm-hmm. I mean, if I, these areas typically function for other animals as a – as a way to move because it's a path of least resistance. We know moose and other creatures will move through those areas. So why wouldn't hypothetically a Sasquatch do the same, right? I mean, I don't know, it's all speculation, but if we're basing it off of what potential prey and other species might do, then I guess that's something to kind of think about. So I don't see why I guess a hydroline cut, how wildlife would differentiate that from say gas, pipeline cut or a power line cut if it's just a cut through some trees and hey it's a lot easier to get from point a to point b i don't see
0: why animals wouldn't use that yeah that's an interesting thought and that eyewitness testimony we heard regarding that sighting with the power line cut in the episode i thought yeah. was really compelling I, I love the matter of fact way in which you know that, that lady told her story i had a question that was going to stem from that i forgot what it was um, but that's okay. We have more audience questions. So <laughs> MPL 2288 asks, uh, will you be out to Mount St. Helens this summer for the 100 year anniversary of the ape Canyon incident? Oh yeah. It's a hundred years. I, I forgot about that.
1: Um, I'm not sure. I guess we'll have to see. I I, I don't know really, um, at the
0: moment. So yeah. we shall see. I would like to, I'd like to do that. i I'm sure that I won't, but I would like to. Uh, Gary Ramsden asks, have you guys ever thought of exploring northern Ontario in Canada?
1: Yeah, I mean, I've thought of exploring a lot of different parts of Canada. Canada is the second largest country on earth. So much wilderness. I mean, it's got so much more wilderness than parts of the lower 48 in the US. It's ridiculous. And having driven through much of it when I was driving to Alaska and I drove through those remote parts of BC and the Yukon, I've even been looking at parts of Quebec and Ontario, how much wilderness and woods there is up there. I would love to. I'm mean, getting up there is the tough part. I think most of Canada is basically within 100 miles of the US borders where most of the population lives in a few cities and then everything else. There's not a lot out there. There's a lot of First Nations out there, uh, but that's about it. So I guess if I had some kind of an inn, I would love to go out there and search. That would be awesome. I'm always down for a good time in the wilderness. So, yeah, uh, some, someone else a contact or something. Hey, let's go up there. You know, so, there's yeah. obviously, there's a lot of history of stuff in those kinds of areas, places like Snellgrove Lake, other areas as well.
0: Yeah, if you know anybody, Gary, hit us up. <laughs> Let us yeah, know for sure. <laughs> it's actually allowing me to see who Gary is. Usually, it blocks names for some reason. So that's uh, good. I
1: guess because it's coming from Facebook. Yeah,
0: yeah, likes to do that. Um, here's a fun one. Metallica four, five, six, seven. Always good to see you as well. Metallica four, five, six, seven. Alex, big fan, man. I've seen all your documentaries. I'm your neighbor up here in Maine. Do you think Sasquatch is up here?
1: Oh, awesome. Yeah. Maine next door neighbor here to New Hampshire. I think they could be. Yeah. Very, very much. So I think the habitat is expansive. What's so interesting about Maine is that, um, it's got a lot of wilderness. It's a very sparsely populated state. And it connects to wilderness in parts of Canada and Quebec, New Hampshire. And it's sort of, there's millions of acres up there. And most of Northern Maine is very sparsely populated. Maine has a huge moose population. I mean, we're talking 50,000 plus moose, which is the largest amount of moose anywhere in the US outside of Alaska. Hmm. Uh, So if an environment like that can support that many giant animals, 700 to 1,000 pound animals that eat a lot of resources, and it supports, you know, almost fifty 000 to seventy thousand of them. That's that's a that's a huge number. That means that environment is pretty viable for big animals. So I could imagine, mm-hmm. yeah, let's throw a few Sasquatch in the mix. Why not? I mean, there's certainly a history of reports. We've done a video up in there. One of the first Beyond the Trails ever um, was up there in Northern Maine, and I've I've camped up there, and I love going up to Northern Maine. And, and what's so interesting too about Northern Maine is that. It's actually most of the northern part is owned by logging companies so you've got hundreds of thousands of acres that if it was out west or somewhere else in the US would probably be national forest land or Bureau of land management land. But there it's all privately owned so you can't even get into most these areas because it's logging territory it's all owned by logging companies. So that's, that's what I find pretty intriguing so um, and there's loggers that have stories from up in that area campers and that kind of stuff people driving some of those really back roads and i've i've driven up there before and you can just drive forever on these logging roads and you can get seriously lost up there if you don't know where you're going or if you don't have like a satellite phone it's just very very it's probably the most remote place honestly east of the rocky mountains and i don't say that you know hyperbole look at you know the the, the light pollution maps there look at the population density it's there's even a map called nobody lives there and that northern main section is considered to be basically a wilderness frontier. So it's it's like one of the most wild places east of the Rockies for sure.
0: Interesting. Okay. Yeah we do I've seen a lot of questions come up on these episodes, particularly the ones that you're on, uh where folks are asking about Maine. So yeah it does seem to be yeah. uh recurring I love Maine it's pretty Beautiful state. Yeah beautiful. Let's see, let's see let's see. Bunch of good questions coming in now. Here's here's an opportunity for you to maybe uh, plug something if you wanted to. Michael Tovar asks, "Survivor man, I remember used cameras on his backpack to see if one was trailing him. Alex, have you done that too?" I haven't done that.
1: Um, I know some people have rigged up GoPros, all kinds of stuff. Um, I feel like a lot of times with the video, when you have something going behind you, and when you're moving, pareidolia can happen. I mean, unless you really have an encounter, but those are obviously pretty rare. But that's pretty cool. I mean, obviously, Les pioneered a lot of the filming himself in the woods kind of techniques. And uh, he will be in an upcoming video, Les Stroud. So the original Survivor Man will be in an upcoming video about Alaska, a Beyond the Trail video uh, that will be coming up very soon. So keep your eyes peeled for that. It's a great little uh, plug for, for that upcoming video about the Kenai Peninsula. I'm excited for that. I'm working on that now, actually. Maybe
0: we can get him for the live show. I literally just had no idea. I'm, <laughs> that sure would be, yeah. I'm sure it's it was possible. it was really tough to
1: <laughs> you know, and it was tough to get him just to do like a, we did an interview over the computer and that was it took quite a few cancellations. I mean the guy is you know, he's like legit um, TV kind of person, so he's always filming stuff, always busy somewhere. So he's tough to nail down, but I was glad I was able to and super thankful to be able to interview him. So that'll be an awesome Awesome thing, you guys will see the interview with him in that upcoming video which I believe is coming out at the end of the month for squad and then I think right in early February for public. So, okay. keep your eyes peeled a few weeks. A few weeks I should I'm say.
0: excited for that one. I think I think everybody's <laughs> excited for that one. Yeah, so. that's going to be awesome. Very cool. Great question, Michael. Thank you for that. Uh there's just a comment, not so much a question, but Sambo says the music in your videos is brilliant. I agree. I Thank agree. you. The trailers been- always get me hyped
1: spend a lot of time trying to make sure the music is good. Uh, I think without bad music, you know, it's not as interesting, at least to me. So Uh, yeah, for what it's
0: worth. (laughs) No, I agree. Definitely nailing that. Excuse me. Melissa major low asks any more coming from area a, I feel there's so much potential in Alaska. A lot of Alaska questions tonight. (laughs) Plus footage, just gorgeous.
1: Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I'd love to get back out to area a, of course it's a great area. I mean, beautiful uh, as you've seen throughout the alaskan coastal sasquatch and dark coast (laughs) you know who wouldn't want to spend time there right Mm -hmm. Uh, there had there some potential activity towards the end of last year so when i was there it was june and then they usually close it up around october you just can't get out there past then really and they possibly had some stuff going on out there uh you know at the end of the year some typical kind of I don't know about vocalizations but knock kind of sounds. But it seems like over the years the activity has slowed down a little bit. Perhaps the novelty of the cabin is worn out. I don't we've got a lot of theories about what's going on. But if there's any more major stuff, you know, obviously I'd love to get back out there. But uh, for the moment, you know, I my, my focus is elsewhere, but you know, it's always an area that I'd be more than happy to return to.
0: Very cool. Very cool. Uh, here's kind of a general STM question that I think is is I have a fun answer for. Um, Nitrogen asks, "Congrats on a lot of STM being on Dust. How did that come about? Um, apparently, Dust is a streaming service. Oh, and, I didn't even know uh, what that was. That was I, I, I didn't either. I was Googling it over here a second ago. Um, there are so <laughs> many of those now. But any, uh, I don't know how that came about. But any any place you see STM content or any, any of that stuff where you see us show up on new platforms, all of that stuff is handled by um, the the kind of behind the scenes crew. Seth yeah. does a lot of that. Courtney, Adam, um, Zach and Heather do a lot behind the scenes too. So, um, you know, any place you see us, it's because of, of those guys. So I did want to just give them a shout out because they yeah, work. They do some tre- great work. They do. They work tremendously hard behind the camera at all hours of the day and folks never really get to see that. So.
1: Yeah, that's the kind of the underappreciated side. We love what they do and and it's funny cuz I've gotten a bunch of messages uh, over the past couple months from some of our videos being on uh, Alien Network or something like that. Mm-hmm. I don't know, there's some kind of Alien Network streaming service and you know people that I know from not from Bigfoot or anything or any other topic will message me like, "Hey, guess what? I saw you on here." And it's like, "Oh, that's cool." And that's obviously again the hard work of Adam and Courtney and everyone behind the scenes who maybe isn't as public as the rest of us are with this stuff because yeah, that's sort of the administrative side of things.
0: Yeah. 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 There's a, there's a lot more that goes into everything STM does other than just what people get the chance to see. So, right. Yeah. Thanks for asking. Nitrogen. I think I said nitrogen before nitrogen. Nitrogen. Thanks for bringing that up. uh this is the second time i've seen this particular cryptid mentioned tonight angel raven 444 asks alex any chance going to australia to hunt Yowie?"
1: i mean i'd love to obviously right who <laughs> would, wouldn't want to go to australia Heck um yeah. <laughs> I would totally be down. I actually just had somebody message me today saying they were inspired by some of my videos to go and look for the Yaoi in Australia. So hopefully that'll produce something of interest. But uh, yeah, I mean, I'd like to, of course, as I I say all the time, you know, I'd go anywhere if I could, right? Um, But uh, you got to kind of pick and choose your battles and have to have a set number of places I can go every year and that sort of thing. So yeah, uh, try to maximize that as best I can, I suppose. Australia would be
0: cool though. I've been saying this for a while, but we need a Tom Slick-esque millionaire to just finance all of these expeditions. Right. <clears throat> then people could just tell us where they want us to go. That would be um, awesome. <laughs> I can actually provide an answer for this one. Michael Torres asks, do you ever look up in the trees? I can tell you that um, from the time I did go in the woods with Alex, he's scanning everything all the time and is extremely aware <laughs> of what's going on around him. I'm literally tripping with this thermal scope and, and being told, Hey, you need to keep up. We're filming a scene here. Alex sees everything all the time. So that's, that's an answer I have for that.
1: Yeah. Uh, That's, I was going to say, I'm pretty much scanning everywhere. And, you know, even when the thermal gets distorted, looking up. So uh, yeah, that's, that's, I'm always
0: just looking around. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to, I saw that in the chat and I was like, yes, yes, he absolutely does. Um, another place that people want you to go, Grant Rasha asks, Do you plan on revisiting the Adirondacks this year? I hike the high peaks and live just outside the Adirondack Park. Oh, that sounds cool. That'd be a great place to live.
1: Uh, I don't know about this year. Um, I mean, I'm probably going to be going to the Whitehall Sasquatch Festival, which is in September, end of September. Uh, it's one of my favorite events. It's, you know, a few hours from me, but, um, Other than that, not sure if there's any direct plans to go to the Adirondacks. Adirondacks, So, excuse me. It's a huge area. But, oh, yeah, somebody actually just posted Sasquatch Calling Festival Saturday, September 28th. Yes, I I hope to be there. Uh, (laughs) Everything else goes well. Again, it's one of my favorite events. It's just so much fun. And Whitehall is a great town with a great history. Very interesting Sasquatch history, too. So
0: it's a cool area. Very cool. Yeah. Looks, I'm, I'm guessing Grant Rasha is going to be there. They, they seem to know what's up. So <laughs> come say hi. <laughs> Very cool. Let's see. Let's see. We're coming up on the last quarter of the hour. We've got a few audience questions and our buddy Scott squad member. Always good to see you, Scott. Are there any additional areas that you have access to where you would want to do a long-term study similar to what you did in area A? That's an interesting hmm,
1: question. That's definitely a good question. I don't know if there's anywhere I have a, that I have access to. I mean nothing at the moment. There's obviously places like Area X would be cool to go to, try something like that. But uh, nothing nothing is uh, nothing that I can think of really. So um yeah. I don't know. I, I wish I wish I had a better answer, but yeah. That's so, That's like an ideal situation where you have access to private property that has,
0: you know, potential history of activity. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, hopefully we have, I mean, hopefully we get the opportunity to do more of that in the future. I think it's a matter of people that have access to those, those locations, you know, opening them up for research, because there's probably a lot of private property out there with Sasquatch activity that we just don't have access to yet. So definitely. Yeah. Awesome question, Scott, and a second one from Scott that I'm actually very interested to hear the answer for, Alex. How do you balance the planning of locations, travel, content creation, and publishing? It seems like it could get crazy or overwhelming.
1: Sometimes it does. Yeah, <laughs> um, I don't know. It's there's kind of a madness to. I don't know if there's a method to the madness, but there's kind of a madness. But like when I was in Alaska over the summer, I was I was basically gone for like a month and a half. So. I had a few videos that I had edited beforehand that could then just be published. I wasn't really doing much editing during that entire time period. Did a little bit, but not a whole lot. Um, so yeah, it's there's there's yeah, it's tough because you got to balance the editing side of things, then the research actually to go to new places. You have to do you know, some research on particular places, and obviously the actual travel planning and all that kind of stuff. There's a bunch that sort of goes into it. Um, but yeah, there's, there's a weird balance somehow. Somehow it all works for now, but I, I can't really, if, if you asked me how to explain it in a more concise manner, I don't think I could. It's just sort of, it just sort of all comes together somehow.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I operate well with deadlines, um, but I'm usually running down to said deadline. I just believe it's going to get done somehow. And, and it does, but That's just me. Uh, (laughs) B.H. asks, always good to see you, B.H. Two-part question here. Um, Hi there, Aaron and Alex. Alex, what is your view on thermal evidence of Sasquatch? And Aaron, when is American Werewolves 2 set to start filming? American Werewolves 2 actually uh, has completed production and will be out in the world very soon. We are working with a new distributor now to get our films put out there. And so that has slowed the process a little bit. But American Werewolves Two: The Skinwalkers will be available to you very soon. Uh, Alex, what is your view on thermal evidence of Sasquatch? Which is kind of what we're talking about tonight. Yeah, I think there's some interesting possible footage out there.
1: A uh, couple examples: Barcatino thermal footage, potentially the Stacy or the Brown thermal footage. Um, there's the Michael Green footage out of North Carolina. I think there's some potential real examples of it. But I think focusing on, it, I think, is cool. I mean, but the same time, if we were to get some HD thermal footage tomorrow, it's not going to matter. People are not really going to believe it. It's not going to be enough to prove it. So um, I, I do still focus on thermal quite a bit because I think it'd be awesome to get some some great video. Maybe that would encourage people to take it more seriously and maybe try to get more definitive evidence. But I don't think it's going to be the end-all, be-all of evidence. So mm. there's that.
0: It is. It's, we do see some really interesting stuff, you know, even – coming out from stm even not just this video so yeah i think there's a lot of potential there uh here's a question from soloist 100 hi are you familiar with steve over at how to hunt i am not oh boy
1: yeah we've been asked this question before i yes i am familiar not a fan personally people are going to get offended and call us chumps like they did last time when i said i disagreed with somebody who they revere look there's tons of researchers tons of people in this space some people are honest some people are not i don't know what you want me to tell you like i disagree with people personally that doesn't mean you know i hate them i just maybe disagree with the way they approach things so there's there's that i can't you know not hide my feelings i guess about uh, somebody i disagree with so um yeah
0: i i guess the answer i am familiar with uh how to hunt okay okay no it's honest answer <laughs> That's what people come here for, the the honest, candid answers.
1: Um, Oh, boy. We're just lining them all up tonight.
0: (laughs) Metallica4567 asks, have you seen Russell Accord's footage from last season of Expedition Bigfoot up in Alaska? I'm just going in the order these are coming in, by the way. Yeah, no, I
1: hear you. No, I I, I haven't seen it. I think that show is fake, so I don't put much stock in anything from that show personally, but uh, I have not seen it. But, you know, like many of the other alleged pieces of footage, I'm sure it's probably not real if you were to ask my honest opinion. So
0: okay. don't hate me okay. for
1: it, guys. I'm sorry again. I, I'm not trying to offend anyone. This is just my honest, my honest uh, feelings about you yeah. know some of this stuff. I think there's a lot of fake stuff out there and a lot of people pushing um, fake stuff. I think that's unfortunate,
0: but uh, that's, you know, just the nature of the beast, so to speak. Well, part, part of this stuff is having these conversations and sharing honest opinions and giving people the opportunity to respond in a civil manner this is the internet so you know
1: yeah you're not going to get a lot of that but
0: (laughs) you can try (laughs) oh man love it love it uh bh asks uh this is a little off topic but i'm anyway also aaron just heard you're working on a godzilla fan film series with carrick saint laurent uh, Godzilla Alliance. As a kaiju story writer myself, I'm interested to know how that idea came about. This is the first I'm hearing about this. So I don't know. I'll call Carrick tomorrow and find out. I do love Godzilla. I have Mecha Godzilla tattooed on my arm. Uh, and I would love to read some of your Godzilla work, BH. So shoot us a direct message. Mr. Dollar Store Gloves asks, (laughs) do you think some of the Sasquatch sightings on the sides of roads is a Bigfoot having fun with humans? Oh, like maybe messing with us. That's a that's a good question. You know, that's that's a
1: theory that's been brought up in the past before. I can't tell you by whom, but there has definitely been suggested before. I mean, that's the thing with the Bigfoot topic. Any idea you have or you think is maybe the first time you've thought of it. Somebody's probably thought of it a long time ago. That's what you kind of learn the hard way. But yeah, I've heard it. Heard it suggested. Maybe it's hey, playing chicken. Like go run in front of the car there. Let's see how. We'll see what happens. Right. It does seem to be very, a very common mode of sighting are these road crossing sightings. That could just be because a lot of people are in cars in wild areas. You're, usually people aren't walking on the side of roads. Uh, in wilderness areas, they're usually in a car. So that could kind of explain some of that. Um, but maybe that's part of it. I don't know. I think it's a as good of a theory as perhaps some others that. You know, these, these are—they're just dumb and running out in front of the car because they're panicking like a deer would. I, that, that you know, that doesn't seem likely
0: to me. At least, if these things are as intelligent as they're supposed Let's to say be, an animal that's able to remain undetected it obviously is a panic when the when car comes. Oh <laughs> no, I gotta go over there. Yeah, right, right.
1: I gotta do it now in front of this car because that's what deer <laughs> and other other animals do—is they panic. You ever see like a yeah. squirrel or a smaller critter? They don't know where to go, and they end up running in front of your car and getting smashed. And it's unfortunate, but they're just not very intelligent animals. Whereas I, I don't think these these things probably are smarter than that. So maybe sure. there is an element of messing with it. You listen to some of these encounters people have had while driving, and they were terrified, or you know they couldn't believe it. It was just sort of a it was a shock to them. So maybe maybe someone's just having a little
0: fun with us. I don't I don't know. Yeah, that's a that's a that's an interesting perspective. I love that idea. Thank you, Mr. Dollar Store Gloves. Uh, Kirk Schmidt asks an interesting question here. And this may be this may be difficult to answer with brevity. Uh, What's your guys end goal with investigations? I know for me, from a book writing podcast producing perspective, I want to put together as comprehensive an overview of the available information on the topic I'm covering, whether it's dogmen or aliens or something else. That's my answer. But Interested to hear your take on this one. Yeah, I mean, I'd
1: say if it's like a particular investigation that I've done, let's say we'll give an example. I don't know, somewhere in Alaska, let's do interior Alaska, right? We did that investigation. My goal is with the film is to showcase what we experienced along the way. If we had anything interesting happen, if not, talk about some of the history of the area, other things we may have found, we may have found wildlife or other interesting things I like to showcase. But, um, Ultimately, you know, in the ideal situation, you find some kind of proof or something that you can then say, well, hey, let's get this checked out. Uh, like in the Dark Coast series, where we found those hair samples. That was something tangible that I could then send to a hair analysis expert and say, hey, can you look at this and tell me what it is? Even if it's not Sasquatch or if just something interesting, that's something tangible, because then that maybe justifies saying, okay, we got some interesting footage out of here or some interesting vocalizations, possible hair sample. For example, maybe that justifies okay that maybe we can spend some more time here, such as with area A. You know, we found that weird hand, hair uh, hair print hand print sample, um, and all the other stuff we had happen the first trip out there. So that was kind of like hey yeah obviously we should probably go back and try to do it even more see if that approach works. So that's you know that's kind of some of the goal. I guess it depends on the investigation. Um, you know sometimes you're in an area really short but maybe you get something interesting happen it allows you to go back there longer. Um, it just really kind of depends but. Uh, I think it's a little bit multifaceted in some ways.
0: Yeah. Kind of depends on the project too, I think, but interesting question. These behind the scenes questions are always interesting because normally we don't get to talk about this stuff. So (laughs) DJ Mark asks, uh, since so many people are asking about various places, any chance of coming to New Jersey? We have an underappreciated amount of sightings and are a bit of a dark horse in terms of East coast States with activity. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I don't know
1: about Phil. I will be coming to New Jersey, actually, for an event in June, believe it or not. Um, I'm looking at my calendar here. I can tell you exactly what it is. It's the Cryptids and Paranormal Festival in Perth, Amboy, New Jersey, on June 1st, 2024. You can search Cryptids and Paranormal Festival. I'll be speaking at that. I think Ron Moorhead will also be there, as well as Esteban Sarmiento, who is a a primatologist has done stuff on various Bigfoot shows before. Um, that so that's going to be like a conference. My buddy Tim Halloran over at the Bigfoot Influencers kind of helping set that up. So he asked if I'd speak at that, and got with the organizer. And yeah, I'm going to that. But I haven't. Maybe I'll do some filming then. I don't know. I, I really haven't heard a lot about Jersey myself. Obviously, there's a Jersey Devil stories. I've heard of sightings and stuff down there, but I haven't looked a whole lot into it. Um, I think that's pretty fair comment saying it's a bit of a dark horse in terms of East Coast states. Cliff Berrickman once told me, he, I asked him, we were talking one time, I'm like, what's the most surprising place you went to? He said the Pine Barrens of New Jersey, he thought was an extremely interesting habitat that could potentially be viable. So, yeah, mm. I value what Cliff has to say, so I find that interesting.
0: Yeah, yeah, might be a new lead for us to chase once, once there's more time. So. yeah, well, it's always, always in
1: demand is you know, not
0: enough time. Yeah. Find a way to bottle it. I'll buy stock. Thank you for the question, <laughs> DJ Mark. All right. Coming up on the end of the hour, but we do have a question from CJ Balker. Uh, do you think there is Bigfoot in Kansas? I live about 15 minutes South of the Oklahoma. Hmm.
1: Uh, I don't know. I haven't done enough research. I don't know if there's enough habitat in Kansas. I would probably guess not. Um, hmm. I know there's parts of Oklahoma like Eastern, the Wichita's or Wachita's, however you say it. There's two mountain ranges that have almost the same name but different spelling. The Ozarks, and that goes into like Missouri and other places too and parts of Arkansas. That's obviously where places like Area X are, um, the Kayamichi's. There's a lot of history, but I don't know about Kansas specifically. I just don't know enough about Kansas. But I probably guess not much because it, I've driven through there and there's not a lot going on in Kansas personally Mm -hmm. that i am aware of just in general in terms of viable habitat but be happy to be wrong so yeah Um, but again i'm going to claim ignorance because i do not know enough about much of kansas or the midwest that's kind of an area that i don't spend a lot of time in i guess kansas isn't really
0: the midwest but you kind of get what i'm saying yeah yeah well if you know anything cj let us know we're always always interested in new areas of activity for sure absolutely well, folks, we are at fifty nine minutes and fifty seconds. So, a big thank you to everybody for coming out tonight. These shows are definitely one of the highlights of my week. It's always a pleasure to see you all, and most of all, thank you to Alex for joining us once again. I think I think you're you've made the most appearances on this show at this <laughs> point. So
1: happy to come on. You know, it's obviously it's a good time chatting with you. I love taking the questions; a lot of fun. I see what people have to say. But um, you know, brought the hat out obviously for tonight. So. Uh, that's, that's kind of a fun one. Yeah. It's a good time. Like I said, it's always, always fun to have these discussions. So happy to come on whenever needed. Heck
0: yeah. Heck yeah. Well, thank you again, my friend. I will let you get on with your evening and we will see all of you next week for another edition of STM live. You've been listening to the small town monsters broadcasting network. If you enjoyed this show, consider giving it a like, review, rating, or sharing it with a friend. And be sure to visit smalltownmonsters.com for more info about this and other STM projects.